1: How are we doing? IB Nation Sports Talk up and rolling tonight. Glad to have you with us. We're going to keep you warm along with Jesse Stiers. I am Sean Stiers. Final IB Nation Sports Talk of the week. Of course, we have IB Countdown to kickoff Saturday morning at 10 o'clock. But uh, starting straight off, Derek, you know, talking about bringing heat. He said, this show better be straight fire. I'm skipping my couples therapy appointment to be here. I don't know, man. I don't know. The pressure's on right away. (laughs) <laughs> and you know, maybe maybe that's a sign that you need to be in your couples therapy, <laughs> Derek. Maybe there's a reason you're you're in there to begin with. But hey, you know, we're all friends here. So just, just hang out as long as you want with us. Did you uh, did you see? I forgot I didn't get to ask you this, Jess, right before we started, you know, big snowstorm up northeast of you. In Buffalo going on this weekend, and the NFL just announced that they are moving the uh, the game to the, uh, Detroit. They're going to play it at Ford Field in Detroit rather than Buffalo.
2: I had not heard that, but I know the, that the Browns um, are playing Buffalo this week, so I've heard a lot of buzz about it um, around here, and the predictions are saying like five to six feet of snow, feet. not inches.
1: Yes, feet. not inches.
2: So that I mean, when when you're talking five to six feet of snow, that's taller than the players on the field or, you know, some players on the field. So I'm glad that they came with a remedy. And that's like best case scenario. I think if you're talking about going from one extreme to the other, you know, five, six feet of snow and then going inside to an all uh, enclosed stadium. So I think that they won uh, (laughs) with this predicted snow.
1: Well, and they moved the line, I guess. And they said that this is not because Buffalo doesn't have a dome stadium. This is about they don't want, you know, resources from the community to be diverted for a football game, basically. So they're, they're moving it to Detroit. And I saw the line moved, the over under moved, the whole thing. Vegas moved everything. They, any bets that were already made on this game, they took off the books and, uh, you have to you know they basically started from scratch since they're going to go from playing outdoors in what was expected to be a snowy environment to uh to playing in in downtown Detroit in a dome stadium so you know i think that's
2: that's kind of crappy on the sports books behalf because you know the sports books don't cancel bets late in the week when adverse weather it, it, you know gives them the advantage so i don't yeah, really like true. that move you know i i there's been weeks, you know, games where I remember uh, maybe it was a year ago or two years ago, the Patriots played in a really windy um, and rainy game, and the forecast kind of came later in the week. But, you know, none of those none of those bets were, were canceled or nullified. I just kind of find it annoying that when it, it, it advantages them or sides, to you know, with them, they have no yep. problem nullifying bets.
1: For sure, Vegas is going to cover itself. That's, <laughs> that's, that's what it comes down to. By the way, Jesse, do you know – What TCOB stands for?
2: Taking care
1: of business. Taking care of business. That's right. We're going to be talking about Notre Dame taking care of business in today's show. I will give you one hundred dollars. Put put your hands up in front of you. I want to see your hands so that you can't do any searches. I will give you one hundred dollars if you tell me the seventies rock band that sang the song "Taking Care of Business." Nobody help him out in the chat here. (laughs) Do you know uh, the classic rock band that sang the song Taking Care of Business? I can sing it in my head, but
2: I don't know the name. That's I can hear it in my head
1: Bachman Turner Overdrive.
2: Never would have got that.
1: That's not right. I was confident. I was confident that you would not be able to get it, which is why I made the offer. <laughs> I remember when I was in, I guess it would have been middle school. There was a group of guys had, you know, their own little band and they did a talent show and they sang taking care of business at the talent show. Bachman Turner Overdrive. We're going to be talking about taking care of business in today's show. Hey, when you jump in, please hit that like button if you would. We appreciate it. You help out Irish Breakdown when you do smash the like button, rate, review, subscribe, and of course, comment throughout the show when you're watching live on YouTube. We do appreciate it. You can always leave comments after the fact. As well. We used one yesterday in Rapid Fire that somebody left last week on uh, on one of the YouTube videos on the Irish Breakdown channel. We've got Notre Dame and Boston College coming up Saturday, 2 30.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform at Indeed.com/bluewire, just go to Indeed.com/bluewire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com/bluewire, terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Instacart shoppers, no groceries. They know that you can't make guacamole with rock-hard avocados. They know how to quickly find those peanut butter pretzels you can never find. And they keep you in the know by giving you updates about your order along the way. Let Instacart shoppers help take shopping off your plate so you can get time and energy back for what really matters. Visit instacart.com or download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time, minimum order $10, additional terms apply. Instacart, add life to cart.
1: Snow is on the ground here. We got about four or five inches, didn't snow as much as they originally predicted, uh, but it is cold. There's a lot of snow on the ground. We're supposed to kind of have flurries continuing for the next couple of days. So don't know what the accumulation is going to look like, but it's going to be cold out there and we'll talk about the weather and the impact on this game uh, coming up in a little bit here today as well. Let's take care of some business right off the top. Marcus Freeman held his Thursday press conference this afternoon slew of injury updates that Mark Freeman provided today. starting with Brandon Joseph said he is doubtful for the game the safety of course missed last week with a high ankle sprain if you've never had a high ankle sprain have you, jess um
2: i think i had one last year actually right around this time uh i was in kansas Doing what play- i was in kansas <laughs> playing playing basketball with my little cousin i rolled i rolled my ankle pretty good um, I, I, think I did it one other time. I got, I was sledding with some friends and we were playing the game chicken, you know, where you're, you're trying to jump over your friends as they're coming down the hill. And I got my ankle kind of pinned, uh, doing that one time. So, you know, a high ankle sprain is, you know, have I ever been diagnosed? No. Uh, but have I have ever tweaked my ankle where it's hurt to walk for three to four months. And I'm, you know, kind of limping around, not trying not to put a whole bunch of weight on it. Definitely. I mean, last, like I said, last year, I rolled my ankles to the point where it was kind of swollen bruised up, that kind of stuff. So, you know, the ankle is never fun because obviously no. it is what connects foot to leg. Um, and so you that that is no, but that's where you all your your most pressure and load bearing is uh and, and what you know what connects to the ground. So it's you're gonna feel it literally every step you take. So it, it's just one of those injuries that's no fun. Um and really there's nothing you could do besides kind of rest it and it, when you when you rush potentially coming back, the smallest tweak can just set you back uh even more.
1: Derek said you did it leaving the bar right just be honest it wasn't playing basketball with your little cousin it was leaving the bar (laughs) uh so Brandon Joseph sounding like he's not going to play um linebacker Jack Kaiser sprained an ankle against the midshipman last week Freeman says he's probable J.D. Bertrand missed the game last week Freeman says 100% a go for J.D. Bertrand so J.D. will be back and I don't know necessarily the impact against a team that is only rushing for 61 yards a game. How does a a Power 5 team rush for 60? No, it's not even 65. It's 61 yards a game. How does a Power 5 team run for 61 yards a game? That's what I want to know.
2: Bad offensive line. You can't run the ball when you're not able to block people.
1: I know. I know. Some other injury updates. Tyler Buckner uh, progressing. The sophomore quarterback, of course, had the season-ending shoulder surgery, his non-throwing shoulder uh, when he injured it against Marshall in week two. Freeman said today he's practicing, doing some individual stuff, not wearing pads and stuff like that, but participating in other parts of practice when he can, and then uh, still doing some rehab as well. So good for Tyler Buckner, good for the program that, his uh, recovery is progressing and is at least able to do a little bit out there right now.
2: Yeah, it's it's definitely a positive thing when you get to see, you know, your quarterback one that went down earlier in the year, kind of, you know, getting back into the to the swing of things. And obviously, you know, what you would like to see, you know, what his uh, progression is come spring ball time. Um, but yeah, it, it it's just a good thing to kind of see, uh, again, your starting quarterback from the beginning of the season kind of healing um, and, and making his way back. I think the biggest kind of, New so far that you've mentioned is that J.D. Bertrand uh, is going to be back. It sounds like, you know, playing against the triple option. They just didn't want to really risk anything, extremely physical game. Uh, But he definitely needs to be back in that linebacker core this week.
1: Yeah, for sure. Need him back in there, and he'll be back in there. Kane Barong, sophomore tight end, hasn't played since he tore an ACL last year, uh, a year ago october freeman said he's been practicing getting some reps with the offense some special teams reps as well and he's been doing a really good job and uh you know is continues to be on his way back aiden kiana aina i hope i said that right i think i did (laughs) kiana aina the uh junior nose guard he tore an acl last spring and freeman said he's been working with the scout team not quite hundred percent yet, but kind of working his way back into shape. The interesting thing that Freeman said about him, Aiden Kiana Aina, is that maybe he'll be able to help during the bowl game, so that he might be a guy get a little depth at the, the interior there when the bowl game rolls around. If uh, he's able to keep progressing, so that's good news. That has been, I think, my one of my
2: favorite things that college football has done over the you know the recent years. Is allowing guys to play, what is it, like three games and you can still keep cool. uh, four games, you know, so you get to play a third of the season uh, and still keep your red shirt. I think that's really great for, you know, guys who are freshmen, someone like Jalen Sneed, who is very, you know, young and early in their process at the beginning of the season. But obviously, the more game reps you get, the more practice reps you get, you're obviously going to mature as a player. Um, and so then these guys who are kind of more, I guess, more athletic and more, you know faster and things like that who who their comprehension of the game is slowing them down by the time the end of the season comes around you know they've kind of caught up or bridged that gap and get the opportunity to really help them when it means the most you know the bowl game is what you work for the entire year for um and you want your best players out there uh making plays and so if you're notre dame you want those guys to be be developing so you can use them you know potentially in the usc bowl or, or bowl game and just putting your best players out there
1: Yeah, Jaden bellamy defensive back. He's in concussion protocol. He has been out and hasn't played. And then sophomore Will Schweitzer um, saw action in three games last year. Hasn't played this season. Freeman said he had a medical procedure about a month ago. That's all he called it. Medical procedure. Hasn't been cleared. Probably won't be until after the season. So uh, that's kind of the injury update. of the day from uh, (laughs) via Marcus Freeman from earlier today. So a couple comments as well from Mr. Freeman that I wanted to get to. Um, And that is starting with a senior day clarification. We talked about like the senior day stuff earlier this week when he outlined it at Monday's press conference. He said that only players who will not be returning next year will be recognized this Saturday. He said there are 25 players who are going to be honored. Now, Justin Adamalola said this week that He's not sure if he's coming back. He's eligible for a sixth year, but he hasn't made a decision. So what's it all mean? Well, here's Marcus Freeman with a clarification in terms of who's being honored, who's not, senior day kind of stuff.
3: Beginning of the year, um, I wanted the guys that plan on this being their last year to just say, Hey, this is my last year. I'm going to be a senior because we do some different things with our seniors throughout the season um, in terms of fall camp, in terms of, you know, recognizing them in different ways. And so, um, you know, there's a couple, there's one or two guys that that have an option after the season, um, after they get their NFL grade reports, uh, if they decide to come back or not, they don't have to, You know, what I don't want him to do is to not participate in senior day and then decide to go to the NFL, you know. And so if there's a a possibility of this being your last year of playing football, I want you to be a part of senior day, and and those will be the guys that will uh, be recognized on Saturday.
1: And so, again, he originally said only guys who have said this is going to be their last year are going to be out there. But, as he said there, there are going to be a a couple guys, Justin Adamalola, It sounds like being one of them who haven't necessarily made up their mind, made that decision yet on their future, who will still be out there. Vince and I were talking about this yesterday. It's like, you know, when you've got twin brothers, and this is Jason, his twin brothers, this is his final year. He has played, Jason has his full limit in each of his five seasons here at Notre Dame, so this was his COVID year. Basically, so uh, you know, for them to be honored together and the family to be there, you know, I think that's pretty cool. And so it, you know, from his perspective, it probably makes sense. So there will be a guy or two that we could still see next year, even though that's not what we heard earlier this week.
2: Yeah, it sounds like there's a potential for for guys to have a double senior day. You know, he just kind of said if there's a possibility, we want to honor him just in case because you don't want to lose out you know, on that moment. But then if you decide not to, you're going to have it again all over uh, again next year. So it'll be interesting to see. I think it obviously only affects really only, you know, maybe a handful of people. So at the end of the day, it's not really a huge deal. But uh, it's interesting to hear that, you know, that these guys can potentially have two senior days.
1: Yep. So it is going to be cold this Saturday as well. Again, about four or five inches of snow on the ground right now. Temperatures in the 20s. For Saturday. So if you're coming to the town, coming to town for the game, better bring those hand warmers and bundle up your blankets and coats and whatever else. Um, there's going to be snow flurries possible out there. And here's how Freeman says they have balanced practices this week.
3: Embrace it. The first thing I told him Tuesday, I was like, we're practicing outside. And it's um, prep, prepare your mind for it. We're going outside until we practice all day, Tuesday outside. Yesterday was just going to be a little bit too wet. I wanted to stay outside all week, but um, yesterday, th- because of the snow, it was just too wet. So I wanted to get good work. So on a third down day and, and you know, the things we had to work on yesterday, we decided to go inside. Um, and then today we'll be back outside. So, again, it's just understanding that it's, we're going to practice outside. We're going to play outside, dress warm, and go play. You know, if you dress appropriately, it won't be a uh, an issue if you try to be a tough guy. There's no such thing as cold tough guys, you know, and that's what I told him. And you better be a warm tough guy. And so, make sure you dress appropriately and go practice and go play. No such
1: thing as cold tough guys. You were laughing there, Jess. Go ahead. Uh, you know, it, it's he
2: he makes a good point. If you if you want to to dress, you know, there's there's guys. There's two different routes, really, in my opinion, when it comes to the cold weather. There's there's the guys who kind of put on all the layers and act like, you know, it's the coldest coldest day in the world. And then there's the guys who are out there and act like, you know, they don't have to wear any sleeves or tights or gloves or anything like that. And they're the tough guys. My thing is, if you're going to wear all the clothes, and don't complain about how cold it is. And then on the vice versa. If you're not going to wear anything, then don't complain, you know, how cold it is either. So me personally... He, he 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 makes a good point. It really takes care of itself, you know. By the time the game starts and you start running around and you're building up yeah. a sweat, like you get hot and you really don't feel it anymore. To be honest with you, the adrenaline kind of takes over. Um, I've never been a guy who packs on the layers of the sleeves because of that reason. I know I'm going to get hot. I know I'm going to warm up. You know, by the time the game starts, you're hot blooded anyway. Yeah, so I I didn't you know I didn't I, I guess didn't really I am need, to an extent need any all the all the all the extra stuff. It was just you know another game. I might throw on you know, a pair of tights or something like that. But really it, it doesn't affect me because I know by the time the game gets going, I'm gonna be running around, I'm gonna get heated up, the adrenaline's gonna be going, and we're just gonna play football.
1: I still I remember you remember a, a few years back when Florida State came up here and <laughs> in the in the pregame the Notre Dame players were like Vaselined up and they're out there, you know, without shirts on. I think it was Miles Boykin was one of the guys that was out there yeah. with no shirt on and all that stuff out there on the field and you know it's Boston is even farther north though than South Bend so it's not going to work on them it'd be one thing if USC was coming to town this weekend or Clemson that would be perfect (laughs) if Clemson was coming to town this yeah I was
2: just getting ready to say you know Boston College doesn't really matter because they they they're in the cold environment too right now I really wish USC was coming into town next weekend because I don't think that they'd be able and I wish it would be snowing because it would really play to Notre Dame's advantage and, and those you know those Florida you know Far East Coast, Florida guys—they don't like the cold, and so Notre Dame can really use that uh, to their advantage in, the, in these late, you know, late games in the season uh, when they're playing kind of opponents like that. So I wish USC was coming to town next weekend because I know they'd be uh, some some wimpy boys about how cold it was going to be.
1: <laughs> What's the coldest weather you've ever played in, like an actual? Football.
2: Um, so college. When I was in college, my freshman year, we had. Uh, we had a couple of, we, during spring ball, we had 6am practices a lot. And I remember it was March and it was still snowing. We, I, you know, I went to college in Michigan, um, and we had one or two practices at six in the morning where it's like, you know, between five and 10, you know, zero to 10 degrees out. Uh, and it's snowing out. And I remember in order to get ourselves revved up, we would take some pre-workout, uh, before practice, just to get the blood flowing and just to try, you know, wake up, feel energized. Really, it's because one thing when you're, <laughs> it's one thing when you're playing in the snow because it's fun. You know, you're actually playing someone, but when you're practicing in the cold in the snow, it's a lot more miserable because you're just practicing, right? Like you're just yeah. trying to get through a lot it. more
1: standing around and yeah,
2: right. And so I had a couple of those, and I think honestly the worst I had and it wasn't really it wasn't a practice. It was conditioning. We kept getting in trouble, uh, for doing something stupid over and over again. And they, they kind of had their final straw. And it was six in the morning again. Uh, and we had conditioning on field at 6 a.m. in the morning. Uh, you know, we're running gassers. We're doing all kinds of different stuff. And there's snow and ice um, on the ground. And so, and we were doing a lot of burpees. They may intentionally made us do burpees in the snow and ice. And so, that I think those were my two kind of biggest cold weather snow experiences while playing in football.
1: Yeah. I just, you know, like as far as real games, I, I don't remember, you know, like in high school, it, it seemed like it never really got that cold. There were some times in practice where like we, we only had like these mesh, you know, practice jerseys anyway. So like if it got, if it started to get cold toward the end of the season, we were out there with hoodies and all that kind of stuff underneath it because there was nothing to our practice jerseys. But like, I don't, I don't remember playing in really extreme cold weather game, just like being in Germany, like we would. We would go out and we, you know, we were always like playing some kind of pickup football or like company football league and all that kind of stuff. But we would like in January, you know, we'd be out there in the snow and and that kind not a real game, but but still fun. What do you consider ideal football weather?
2: Um, I'm somewhere kind of in. I would say, you know, I like I like evening time. I like under the lights. um, Nice kind of 50, 60. You know, f- between fifty and seventy, I would say I don't like to get, <laughs> I don't like to be too hot because then it just feels like you're sweating everywhere. I mean, honestly, it doesn't really matter in the end because you're, like I said, your body just kind of takes over and you don't really start to think about what's going on weather-wise. Uh, but just like the ideal playing t- conditions is just a nice clear night, fifty to seventy degrees, uh, and, and that kind of stuff. Obviously, don't like to be too cold, and I, I honestly think that uh, being a fan during cold weather games is a lot harder than mm. uh being a player mm-hmm. <laughs> and yes. i think it, the best thing that helps is what kind of i think stymie was alluding to earlier in the chat you have to put on that that special layer that special jacket and get it you know get a couple couple drinks and you have an irish coffee do what you got to do uh to put on that extra jacket while you're out there
1: yeah that's right that's right spork says 1987 notre dame penn state eight to minus 20 below with a wind chill Whew.
2: I don't know what's it worse though, because I played in a really hot game before too. I, I remember when we went down to that Saint uh St. Louis or sorry, I think it might have been around St. Louis. Yeah, it was, and it it was, was like St. Louis. It was 105 oh, degrees and it was a that turf was field. So then it put it up to like 115, 120. I honestly would rather play in a more chilly environment than I would a super heated environment. I would too. I the would cramps too. start coming out, you know, guys get dehydrated.
1: Um, I, I just I would prefer extreme, extreme cold over extreme heat <laughs> it's miserable I would take like 50s I would even take like 40s you know again haven't played in any extremely cold like that but a few years back Mishawaka when they went to semi-state they they uh played in a it was snowing it was a snow game out, out at uh Steel Stadium that was fun to to do that one of the for like one of the first games I did, going way back to the beginning of my career in Kansas, doing a high school game. There was like a blizzard outside, and like you know, <laughs> the, and it was an open air press box, of course. And there's snow blowing in, and and all that kind of stuff. That was a lot of fun to get to do that. And then Vince was on the sideline for another Mishawaka game with us a few years back, before he moved into the booth and it was like one of those it, it was probably like wind chill it was at least 0 if not below 0 it was freezing outside and we were at it new prairie for that game so
2: i think the coolest part about when playing in the cold is when you get hot and i don't know why i was always so fascinated but you take off your helmet and you just see all the steam just yeah. come like you know who's hot when you see all that steam come flying uh-huh. out cuz obviously it's like extreme you know heat sweat and then immediate mixing with the cold and you see all the steam come off i always I always found. I always knew I was working hard when I came over the sideline during those games,
1: and, and I had was this, just a big scene cloud
2: kind of coming off of me.
1: Right. Uh, we'll shift gears here in a second, but Spark fifty two nineteen wanted to know if I'll be doing the Notre Dame women's game at Lafayette, December eighth. Yes, I will. Said he got his tickets today. Go Irish! I will see you there. Spark, come up and and uh, say hi. I was going to say, you've, you've had some, some people
2: come up to you recently. <laughs> You're going to yeah. be a celebrity at these women games, meeting all the all of the I, Irish breakdown, uh, uh, what should I say, following.
1: I guess so. I guess so. So, uh, yep, so I'll be there. I'll be there for all the, the Notre Dame women's games, doing the games this year. So, and uh, C-Mac said, 12 degrees on the rug at Three River Stadium, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, playing LT with – Three inches of snow in the turf. Let and I tackle. imagine three rivers, that had to be miserable because that, that was like, I'm pretty, I don't think they ever updated to like field turf type stuff. Unless maybe they did and, and I wasn't, you know, it's like back, it, it was that, you know, harder, like almost concrete kind of AstroTurf playing Ugh. surface, I think, that they had. And that had to be miserable when it was cold outside. All right, you ready to TCOB, baby? It is time to TCOB. It
2: is Let's today's it. main topic.
1: That's right. Two games left in the regular season. Of course, Boston College Saturday and then USC <sighs> coming up next week. So it's time for Notre Dame to take care of business. What to you does taking care of business look like against these Eagles?
2: Yeah, so I kind of took an approach as, you know, what does what taking care of business look like offensively? And defensively, taking care of business against Boston College starts with putting together a complete game, both offensively and defensively, before you go into a bigger opponent next week. Like, I know you can't be thinking ahead when you're playing a two and eight opponent, but there's got to be certain things that you want to accomplish against BC that is going to trickle over into your game against USC. Like there's things that you want to have you know, building momentum on going against USC or things that you want to have success, continued success um, at going against USC. So offensively, you know, first and foremost, this is Notre Dame's identity the whole season. They need to establish a run game early and often and kind of ride it out like they did against against Clemson. Boston College is 82nd overall against the run game. They average given up 160 yards per game um, and 54 54th overall in total defense and give up just shy of 375 uh, yards per game. So I would like to see them build that run game early, build off the the run game with your passing game. And I think we need to see significant margin, not significant margins, but we need to see a well-oiled pass game. We need to, you know, against USC, I think you need to be able to have both both your run game um, and your pass game. And so I think the pass game, obviously in Notre Dame's offense builds off of uh, their run game. And I think most importantly for their offense, in order to take care of business, you have to be prepared to make adjustments, have an answer for the punches that are thrown at you. I think that's been Notre Dame's biggest weakness really this year. And I would say Tommy Reese's kind of biggest weakness as an offensive coordinator throughout his career is he looks really good. Some halves and then looks completely different another half. And it's, you got to be able to return the punch. Like, it, it just Look seems like Tommy Reese. Yeah, exactly. Right. Last week, Tommy Reese takes these punches, but then doesn't do anything to return the punch back. And I think it's that like he's has too to stuck be- in his
1: game plan. You know, it, you know, again, it's like, you know, just it's like, well, because you think this now and I think it's even tougher probably last week because you had so much success for a full half. But then I, I think we said this earlier in the week. Once you come out in the second half and they're just taking everything away and you're unable to do anything, you've got to be able to make some simple adjustments to counter that stuff, but they were never able to do that. And that's what's so surprising because
2: to me, football in general, a good football team makes second half adjustments, you know, whether you're winning or losing, even if you're winning, you have to think that you're not going to be able to continue to do What you were doing the entire first half? Like college has a longer halftime. There's more time to sit in there. I, you know, I've been a part of a lot of half times. They bring in the whiteboard and you literally start diagramming the stuff that's been kicking your butt the entire first half. You find ways to figure it out, and that's what Navy did last week. So to me, I just don't understand why Tommy Reese doesn't, you know, think like that. Like it, I understand maybe running some of these plays and and seeing if they're still going to work. But when they're not working, how do you not have something kind of backed up? ready to go to kind of counter the counter that's coming
1: for you i mean it's to me it's the biggest knock on tommy reese for you know like all the smarts and you know all the good things that that you see him do sometimes is if you know if you want to boil it down is it that maybe he's too smart for his own good and you know like again like he comes up with this plan and he's like this should work this should work but well if it's not you've got to adjust and that's that's big the biggest thing he can't come off his game plan you still have to have a plan b you know like we've talked about Marcus Freeman and the adjustments he has made throughout the season and that's good but you also be have to be able to come up with those adjustments on the fly in the game you, there's 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 always got to be a plan b and even a plan c if you need to you've got to be able to do something you've got so much in that arsenal, and we know that there's so much in that arsenal, but it does you no good if you're not able to make simple adjustments to counter some things that especially inferior teams are doing to you to, to stop you, to stop what you're trying to do.
2: Exactly. It's it's just there's no reason with the personnel that Notre Dame has that they can't make adjustments on the fly. And that's that's what football is about sometimes. You have to be able to make adjustments on the fly when certain things are beating you or are no longer um, kind of working for you. So that would be kind of my biggest thing I want to see uh, is making adjustments. And then so under making adjustments, you know, they, they need to be able to, to handle zero blitzes. They need to be able to handle loaded boxes, uh, just just things like that. And I think obviously the number, thing, number one thing that Notre Dame needs to do w- w- in terms of taking care of business is dominating the line of scrimmage. That's the, the yes. biggest strength of their offense. I need to see this, this offensive line continue to handle their business and dominate the, the Boston College uh, defensive line. I need to see them converting on third downs uh, and playing and extending drives. You know, I it's not realistic uh, for Notre Dame to score every drive, but there's no need for three and outs. Like the second half against Navy, all those three and outs – you know, I, I understand you're not going to score every drive, but at least put together multiple first downs, like extend drives, you know, prolong drives, get your defense some rest when they're playing a triple option offense. Just simple things like that, I think, is what taking care of business looks like to me offensively.
1: Their offense is horrible. You know, there's there's just no way around it. filled Djokovic or not. The, the offensive line has given up 39 sacks in 10 games this season, 25. Of them on Dracovic. They're rushing for 61 yards per game. They're averaging 2.1 per carry. Passing wise, 259 a game. So the offense, it's just putrid. It, I'm, I'm really <laughs> curious to see what Notre Dame. I mean, there's just no two ways around it. When you look at those numbers, <laughs> it's horrible. Now, the defense is somewhat respectable. I will say that. They've sacked the quarterback 20 times, which is not a huge number, but it's still decent. They're giving up. 29 points a game, rushing-wise, 157 a game, passing-wise, 209 a game. You know, so they forced 12 turnovers, which is not a large number, but it's still better than what Notre Dame has done right now. So, I mean, it's – I don't think it's going to be a pushover defense, but like Vince and I were talking yesterday, and the question that's popped up this week is like the whole did did Navy give these guys a blueprint – for how you shut down Notre Dame. And you were just talking about the zero blitz stuff. And we'll get to that in just a second. But I mean, in general, and again, you've been part of game plans. It's like, you see things that'll work. It's To me, it's like, you're not necessarily going to all of a sudden switch your defense and you're going to line up the way Navy was lining up. But at the same time, do you expect that, that Boston College and, and USC can maybe steal some little pieces of what? Navy was doing if they're going to try to effectively shut down Notre Dame's offense this week?
2: Yeah, definitely. I, I, I don't think that, you know, there's different ways to accomplish what Navy did with, with those blitzes out of any defense that you want to run, right? Like it, it doesn't really matter how you line your defense up. It matters at the snap of the ball, how many guys you're rushing at the offensive line and quarterback. And so there's different ways to get into that. Um, and obviously, you know, Boston College and USC is going to, when watching film, they're going to look at the things that slowed down Notre Dame offensively. And so if Notre Dame shows that they can't handle the blitz or Drew Pine can't make the adjustments at the line of scrimmage, when, when blitz is obviously being shown, then they're going to do it because one, when Notre Dame has a great running game and their passing game builds off the running game, why not load the box and blitz these guys and get everything congested and take it all away? Right. And so, I think that it's definitely something Notre Dame needs to be worried about. It's because it's on film now. It, you, the Navy showed success that they gave up, you know, how, was it like 35 points in the first half? And then gave up no points in the second half by simply just blitzing or bringing more guys into the box at the snap of the ball.
1: And that's exactly it. You know, that's, that's what they did. And so the question now with the zero blitzes that we saw last week is how Notre Dame can be prepared for and succeed against the zero blitzes. Is it whiteboard time now? Yeah, it is. I think I think it is the perfect opportunity
2: for for a little whiteboard action.
1: Okay. Um there's some Tyler Buckner questions popping up in the chat and we'll get to those here in a minute. We will address those, uh, but we'll stay on on topic. We're
2: focused on TCOB right now. That's right. We got a TCOB
1: <laughs> right now. TCOB with BTO. All right. So, here we go. <laughs> We're going to bring the whiteboard into the room. And it is time. So tell us what we're looking at here.
2: Yeah. So this this was just a simple kind of not simple, but this is this is a a, a pressure that Navy started to bring in the second half. And again, you know this this formation looks kind of funky, um, but really at the end of the day, it's again just getting six or seven guys into the box um, at the snap of the ball. And how you do it doesn't really matter because they're all going to end up in the same area at the end of the day. And so. Here is uh, these squiggly lines here. I I guess I should start off by saying Notre Dame has the ball on the left hash. Right. Uh, They have their running back and wide receiver to the boundary. Uh, They have a tight end and two wide receivers to the field side. And they are out of shotgun at the snap of the ball or pre-snap. They have four down linemen and their two linebackers in the box. They have two outside linebackers basically splitting the difference. And what I mean by splitting the difference is they are splitting the gap between the end guy on line of scrimmage and the wide receiver closest to them. And so these linebackers start with splitting the difference. And these swiggly lines that I'm showing here are pre-snap movement by these linebackers. And at the snap of the ball, they're ending up, you know, basically on the line of scrimmage. Uh, they have a, a variation here where they're bringing both of their linebackers off the edge. Their defensive linemen are kind of clogging up the middle, and then they have a fourth defensive lineman who's running a loop stunt uh, to the boundary side, uh, again, kind of trying to create some pressure. And then they have two linebackers showing in the middle of the field. One linebacker is staying in coverage, and the last linebacker is coming on a delayed bit blitz. So with this blitz right here, they are committing seven guys Uh, to to bringing pressure and only dropping back four. And so Notre Dame has one, two, three wide receivers, a tight end, and a running back. So five eligible guys to catch the ball with only four guys in defense. And so the most simple, basic remedy uh, to, to counter these blitzes are just quick screens like to your running back or quick slants to these inside wide receivers and really, if if you if, if teams want to show that they're going to blitz, and the number one thing is, Pine has to recognize blitz at the line of scrimmage, right? Like these guys are showing it; these linebackers on the edge are inching towards you. There's sh- you know there's ants in their pants. You know that something is up. So immediately when you see this, you have to be able to audible and get these running backs on some really simple, just you know swing routes or, or I maybe even wheel routes. Whatever you want to do it has to be not has to be. It's really simple. You just flare out, you know, you're running back into the flat. You have these guys, your wide receivers kind of maybe run some quick slants. Uh, but if they're going to commit four guys to covering five and they're going to bring seven, you have to do something that's going to get the ball out of Pine's hand immediately. And Pine has to recognize that and be able to audible to some of these quick, you know, check down routes uh, to get the ball out immediately. Me personally, when a team shows that they want to bring a lot of blitzes, my favorite person becomes the running back because I yes. gar- it, it's a hard enough time for these defenses to pick up a running back out of the backfield in a normal defense. But if you want to blitz linebackers who are going to be assigned to these halfbacks, these running backs should be able to eat all day on just quick flare outs, you know, screens, whatever you want to call them. That has to be the remedy for, for these teams giving zero blitzes. And I guarantee as soon as you start flipping out these quick screens, and, and that kind of stuff, they're immediately not going to do it because they're not going to yeah. want to give up, you know, the easy 5, 10 yards by just throwing quick passes.
1: And, again, that's the frustration at no adjustment last week. You know, the fact that that there weren't – you know, I, I realize there were times <laughs> like when, when Drew Pine was running RPO and he handed off when he should have passed and some of this different stuff. But just those – you know, again, like if you want to make a simple adjustment And everyone's talking about why no screen passes, just finding the running backs. That's, that's the simplest of things that it seems like, because as you said, if they're bringing all that pressure and you've got a running back, all he has to do is basically go stand five yards away and nobody's going to be around him because everyone's going like a magnet to the quarterback. And it's just a a, a, a little flip out there to him. Exactly. And I, I, the, the last
2: point I want to make here too, why it makes even more sense is I diagram this how Navy lined up their defensive backs as well. I mean, look at the depth on all of these corners. They are giving you 7 to 10 yards. Like, right. you can just literally flip the ball out there and catch your athletes. And catch anybody you
1: want to choose, basically. Exactly,
2: and your athletes can just catch the ball and make a 4 to 5, you know, yard play. They call that an extension of the run game. So, okay, if a team wants to load you up in the box and bring all these guys in here then just flip it out and take, you know, the four or five yards that they're going to give you. And the reason why they're playing deep like this is because they're playing or they're blitzing so many guys, so they don't want to get beat deep. You know, they don't want to give up the long ball. So take what they're giving you and right. take the short passes. They're they're like begging you at that point <laughs> to, to, sh- to, to just throw these short passes. And that's, again, back to the frustrating part of Tommy Reese not making any adjustments is it's right in front of your face. You just yeah. have to call it.
1: Here's another – Here's another question for you. My favorite personnel group, 21, which oh, they didn't man. do a whole lot of, but obviously they scored a touchdown to Tyree. Tell me, you know, like how how effective is that potentially against, you know, this, you know, what we're talking about right now?
2: Yeah. So uh, give me a second here to just undo a little bit because. I <laughs> a have, little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I have scribbled a decent amount of things on here. I don't think I'll be able to pass this point, but for the people that are watching, just imagine you don't see any orange on your screen. The people that are listening on the podcast, you have no idea what I'm talking about. So that's even better. So let's just say you bring back this guy and you start going with 21 personnel, right? Okay, You got a shotgun
1: and a a running back on either side of the quarterback.
2: Yeah. So we're, we're in shotgun uh, to uh, running back on either side. Uh, You bring down a a tight end to the line of scrimmage, and then you're going to have a wide receiver um, on each side of the formation at this point. and, You know, you and I are big homers uh, for for two-back personnel. And I didn't want to get into this because I always feel like we're talking about why Notre Dame should run more two-back personnel. But two-back personnel against zero blitzing is honestly even more ideal. And I'll tell you why. Because, again, you're now creating just a second option here where both backs can flare to either side. And when these linebackers are coming, you know, crashing the edge, and, and your wide receivers are kind of clearing everything out over here. There is literally no one in these areas on, you know, on the on the outside flats to cover your running backs in space. And so, if they want to show zero blitz, and you're in twenty, you know, two back personnel, you can easily. It's even more of an easy audible for Pine because these guys are standing right next to him. And you say, "Hey, I want both of you guys to just flare out, and you know, one of them's got to be open." And and if they can run the ball successfully, they can sure as heck catch the ball in open space and have just as much uh, success running the ball in open space. So I honestly think that two back personnel is the best formation to counter zero blitzes because you're, you're, you have your guys. There's no, how do I say this? There is no route progression. Your, your running backs are literally just flaring out and, you know, standing there and catching the ball. It is, it is not an overly complicated concept uh, to to achieve, really.
1: And you've got eight guys in the box here in your diagram, and so anyone else who's who's outside is going to be covered by a defensive back. So you've got, the, and you, you've just got tons of space for those running backs to operate in both Audric Estime, all three of them, Estime, Diggs, and Tyree, they've all shown what they can do coming out of the backfield when they've got space to work with. I mean, you look at Estime in the first half, he, he took that, you know, basically a, a little flare when Pine got some pressure, he took it to the house for a touchdown. And that's what's baffling to me is like, that seemed like such a simple adjustment. So again, it's like, I don't expect BC to just all of a sudden start lining up like Navy (laughs) did last week, unless that's what they decide they want to do. But if they do, it just seems like, like the answer seems so simple when you've got the kind of running backs that you've got that can make those kind of plays in space.
2: Yeah. And you hit kind of the hammer, you know, on the head there, you have three great running backs that are good in space, obviously Diggs. And Tyree are going to be a little bit better than Estime, but again, if 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 I'm Notre Dame, I I love the fact that teams would want to give me my running backs, who are the biggest strength of my team right now, the option to go one on one in space with a DB or an inside linebacker uh, potentially.
1: And I mean, the other part of that is one of these running backs, or, or even both, because of the way they're doing it. I mean, they can chip, you know, someone who's bringing heat off off one of these edges and then still flare out and and be available you know as as a receiver out there in the flat so yeah
2: a simple delayed screen like you said just showing you know a chip block and letting those guys kind of get a little depth into the backfield and a simple you know just flick the ball kind of right over their head yep oh. all right anything else jess that is all i wanted to get to with the whiteboard in terms of offensively But I don't think that we have touched defensively on what it means uh, to take care of business. So before I kind of go to that, do you have any more anything else that you kind of wanted to add offensively?
1: I've got nothing else off that offensively. I think that that was all great. And it just illustrates, you know, again, like the simple things that can be done to make those adjustments. It doesn't have to be rocket science. I don't know how much of it is just like things started happening too fast for Drew Pine. And, you know, that's. That's why, but it seems like there were, there were just simple things like that that Tommy Reese could have done for Drew Pine to you know to simplify it as much as possible. I guess. All right. So what do you have defensively then?
2: Yeah, defensively, I don't have you know quite as much. Um, I, to me, defensively, Notre Dame just kind of needs to stick to you know what they what they do best. I don't think they need to get too fancy, but I think there's certain areas um, that they can definitely capitalize in, and I think the biggest area in talking about how bad Boston College offensive line is, is they need to disrupt the line of scrimmage all game. Take advantage of that Boston College offensive line. And I looked at, you know, I was looking at some some things earlier, and believe it or not, you know, I know a lot of people have certain things to say about Notre Dame's defense, but Notre Dame right now defensively ranks 26th in the nation in total defense. You know, so that accounts for yards, rushing yards per game, and passing yards per game. So Notre Dame plays pretty solid defensively uh, all year long. And so that's what I'm saying. And they need to just kind of stay true to who they are. They don't need to get too fancy, do what they do well. But the number one um, thing to me is disrupting the line of scrimmage. And what I mean by that is get creative with your blitzes. You know, when you have a team like Boston College who has a bad offensive line, what do you do to exploit a bad offensive line? You create even more chaos. You bring more blitzes. And I'm not saying you need to bring six, seven guys, but just bringing five guys, you know, some plays. Maybe bringing six guys every now and then. But the more you can get creative with your blitzes, delay blitzes, stunts with your defensive linemen and linebackers, the more you're changing up the looks for these offensive linemen, right? They, they, they know they've that they've struggled this season, right? There's no way that this Boston College offensive line isn't kind of self aware of their performance this season, and so. You take advantage of that by constantly shifting their eyes, making them kind of second-guess themselves even more. And I think that's where the fun and creativity creativity will come against Boston College's finding ways to mix up your looks, bring blitzes, delayed blitzes, stunts, uh, and, and stuff like that. And I think the next biggest thing when it comes to Notre Dame's defense and the number one thing overall is shutting the door on teams in the end. I've seen too many – Fourth quarter touchdowns this season, second half touchdowns this season, you know, when the offense kind of starts to stutter a little bit, that's when the defense really needs to pick up the slack uh, for for the team, and I just really want them to be able to shut the door because I think that's important uh, for these bigger games is shutting the door and not giving up these big play touchdowns, uh, you know, as these games are kind of winding down.
1: Yeah, and one of the biggest things about this game Saturday is this is a rivalry game to Boston College. to Notre Dame, I don't think it is. especially <laughs> considering like they played almost every year for twenty years. and then the ACC arrangement kind of changed things. and you know they've 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 played less often over the last few years since this this ACC arrangement. Now you know, they've still played. I think this will be the fifth time that they've played since then. but this, this game means a heck of a lot more to Boston College than it means to Notre Dame, quite frankly, and so that's that's a factor. Just like I, I think you can argue that for Navy as well. Like that game meant more to Navy, especially you know when pride is on the line in the second half, and you saw that you know that whole never say die and and all that kind of stuff. This is going to be another team that Notre Dame, with very few exceptions, is going to be pretty superior to both physically, athletically, the whole thing, but they've got to match the intensity they're going to get. And they've got to do what you were just talking about. You can't leave them any wiggle room. You've got to take away everything and you've got to keep pounding it all day long because they're going to keep coming at you because it means more to them. So, and that's, especially like when you talk about, what, how they've performed against these lesser opponents. You can be dominant in the first half against Navy, but then all of a sudden it's much closer than you thought it was going to be in the second half. You can't let that kind of thing happen against Boston College Saturday. You've got to keep your intensity up for the entire game.
2: Yeah, last week was kind of miserable watching that game in the second half, to be honest with you, because it just felt like, you know, okay, but Navy Navy gets a stop, Navy gets another touchdown. It's like, okay, they're not going to make their way back. Okay, Navy gets another stop and, <laughs> and puts more points on the board. And, and then it comes down to the fact that if Navy potentially recovers an onside kick, this game, you know, might be an upset. And there's just no reason for that to even be an option. Uh, so, like we said, they just need to be able – to shut the door and especially against a team like Boston college, because they're not having a great season. And like you said, this game matters the most to Boston college. This is the Holy war, you know, the battle of the Catholics, if you want to call it. And if, when you're having a, a down year and it's closing, you know, the end of the season, your bowl eligibility hopes are over. These are the type of games where you find kind of ways to get fired up and you have to be able to match Boston college's intensity if you don't want, you know, some of these things that you've seen throughout the year reoccurring themes to happen again against Boston College.
1: Can't have a let up here. Can't have a let up here. You know, again, if like if you're if you're building towards something and what this season ultimately needs to be, like this is this is one of those it's it's gonna say a lot about Marcus Freeman and how he's able to get his team prepared when they come out Saturday, how they're performed. There's always kind of those extra jitters and stuff like that it seems like on senior day we've seen a lot of slow starts traditionally on senior day and again you throw in the Boston College factor the Phil Jakovic factor and the whole thing they you know they 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 they've, they've got to come out and they've got to be ready to go from start to finish
2: there's just a lot already working against Notre Dame in this game the emotions of senior day it's going to be cold weather out you know Boston College like i said Boston College Taking this game with a lot of seriousness, and I just hope that that's emphasized throughout the week. You know, by Marcus Freeman, it's like, hey guys, you know, on paper this is what Boston College is, but Boston College wants this game more than anything on their schedule right now. This game matters the most to them. And like someone said in the chat, Spark five two one nine, this is their bowl game. They would love nothing else to end. You know, this their last two games by potentially getting a win over Notre Dame, who they consider to be. One of their top rivals, uh, you know, at the moment.
1: Yeah. And as CMAC was asking, what's BC's record? Three and seven. It is three and seven. And I don't know if you're like, you were, you know, like hinting at something with that, but Navy was three and six last week. And look how that turned out. So <laughs> record does not matter. Record you know, like, does it had, not matter. It's a clean slate
2: every single week. And that's yep. how you have to prepare for it. Yeah.
1: I mean, the way Notre Dame has played this season, you'd rather. Boston College be seven and three than three and seven, quite honestly. Exactly. So.